Well, we are grateful that you have tuned in to watch our broadcast and live stream this morning. We hope and pray that our technical issues have been permanently resolved by our friends at Comcast and that you will be able to count on watching us on Comcast Channel 189 in Sarasota. And of course, anywhere in the world, you can watch us live stream at 9 a.m. on Sunday. Just go to our website and our homepage and we will, you will have a prompt for you to immediately watch. If you would like to view the service later, then you can just hit the watch icon on top of the homepage of the website and it will take you to the archive of services. Just scroll down until you find the service that you are looking for. We are especially grateful for our television crew who have been steadfast during this time and making themselves available such that we can provide this uh, worship experience for you uh, throughout uh, each week. Starting tomorrow, we will be emailing you daily messages of encouragement and biblical reflection from our staff team. Be looking for those to arrive every noontime, and if they are, and if they are not, please check your spam folder. Sometimes that's where they end up. Also, please check our church Facebook page, and there you will also find daily postings from your church leadership to inform you and to inspire you. If you're not receiving emails from us and wish to or are not connected to us digitally, please call the church office 941-924-1323 and we will be glad to add your email address to our list or that we will make sure that someone is calling you to give you the latest information from your church family. Our prayer line can be reached also by calling the church office, same number, 941-924-1323, and by dialing extension 7, you will be able to listen to a new prayer each day. So life here at Church of the Palms moves forward. Our food pantry continues to serve our community through the willing hands of volunteers and staff. Scores of folks are stopping every day to pick up food. Samaritan Counseling is still seeing clients each day. Our church staff are all hard at work, though most of them have been sent home to do their work from home. They are busy calling and connecting with our congregation and helping here on our campus when needed. Our Palms Preschool closed at the end of Wednesday, at least until the middle of April. Teachers and staff are working again at home remotely and they will be advised by the public school calendar as to when they will reopen. Capital projects, which you have supported with your Open Palms generosity, are continuing, including the chapel renovation and a new lift being installed in our sanctuary that will allow people to access the, channel, the chancel. Though we, will continue, uh, though we will continue a small number of staff working in the office, the office now is closed due to visitor, for visitors. Any, any, again, you can reach us by phone at 924-1323 and we will do our best to respond to your need. Please let us know of any needs that you become aware of in our congregation and community by emailing us or leaving us a message at the office. We of course continue to ask you to support our ministry here at Church of the Palms, first with your prayers. Ask the good Lord to give us strength and wisdom to do what God would wish us to do in these strange times. Secondly, please support us financially. Your gifts right now will make a huge difference in our ability to go forward. Perhaps you may feel the call to go above and beyond 
what you have been giving to Church of the Palms such that we can go above and beyond in ministering to our community and supporting our staff and missions. You can mail your checks to Church of the Palms, 3224 B Ridge Road, Sarasota, Florida, 34239, or you can give online. Just click the Give icon at the top of our homepage and you will be directed how, or you can even arrange with your bank to set up an automatic transfer. Please feel free again to call the church office with any questions. Our session will be meeting tomorrow night via video conference to discuss the current situation and to formulate further our plan to navigate these unusual waters. Our priority is to continue our mission to love God and love neighbor and to keep our ministry team hard at work. We believe most certainly that now is the time when the church can shine. Our business now is to counteract this virus by being about a kindness contagion, connecting with people and letting them know that the love of Christ and the grace of God is for them. I've seen it so many times already, folks packing grocery bags, other folks handing them out, other folks emailing and calling, people, people in nursing homes and living alone, children writing and sending notes, Facebook posts that encourage and uplift, clients visiting counselors and receiving support. The list goes on and on. So call again the church office if you'd like to help in some way, and we'll do our best to give you something to do. But you can start by making a list of people that you know at Church of the Palms or elsewhere that could use a friendly call or a text or an email because our greatest response to this virus is to be strong in our connection to each other and to the loving spirit of God. Already we are on our way to this being our finest hour. We bless you for your prayers, your service, and your support. So we are continuing our exploration of the journey inward by looking again at Psalm 51, this great prayer of David that has been the prayer of Jews and Christians for 2,000 years and even today has its timeliness as we make our way through this difficult period. So hear the word of God as it comes to us from Psalm 51, verses 10 through 17. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and sustain in me a willing spirit. And then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from bloodshed, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your deliverance. O oh Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you have no delight in sacrifice. If I were to give a burnt offering, you would not be pleased. No, the sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O oh Lord, that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ. For we pray this in his name. Amen.
you can't live in Sarasota very long and not pay a visit to some circus in our area, the Sarasota Circus, the Sailor Circus, or at least a visit up to the great circus museum at the Ringling Complex. It is a great couple of hours of entertainment, which these days we get to do now just on our TVs and computers and not in person, unfortunately. But all sorts of acts fill the circus that thrill the audience, lion tamers and tightrope walkers and clowns, you name it. And it's great to be in the audience and watch these professionals do their thing to entertain us. It's entertainment, of course, when you're in the audience. It's not so entertaining when you're the one taming the lion or walking on the tightrope. I, I feel this way, especially while watching the flying trapeze, two, three, four people swinging wildly above, way, way above the ground, and, and not just swinging, but casting themselves from their swings, supported by, noth by nothing but thin air, those nanoseconds when having left the swing and they await the arrival of another swing or another other person. Now again, these are professionals and they practice this art every day, at least I hope they practice it every day, and their, and their timing of release and catch is not only precise but instinctive. Maybe they do this with some sense of fear, but because they do it every day, they do not allow the fear to get in their way, and they do not allow the fear to keep them from facing into their ultimate vulnerability. And vulnerable they are. Anytime you're floating or somersaulting through midair, 100 feet above ground, unsupported, you are vulnerable. Now, when you are in the audience and your eyes are fixated above and watching these death-defying acts of swinging and somersaulting and catching, you can for a moment suspend your memory and forget the fact that below these trapeze artists, below these death-defying routines, there is below them this huge, huge tent. This huge tent, and the net is there, a huge net, I should say, this huge net, and the net is there, of course, to catch them. And vulnerable as they are up in the air, below them is this great net. And of course, the net allows them to deal with the vulnerability of the trapeze. The net allows them to leap and swing with more confidence and more daring. You know, your life and mine is lived up in the air, as it were. It's always been that way, and it's that way today. We especially may feel that it's that way today, but life is always lived with a certain measure of vulnerability. We live life dependent on a lot of things, a lot of people, a lot of co coordination, a lot of hardware, a lot of software, a lot of technology that somehow keeps us swinging through the air despite the laws of gravity wanting to pull us down. We, we count on so many things to work in our favor, and because we count on these things, we may convince ourselves that we are less vulnerable than we are. Just a couple weeks ago, I got a couple of new tires on my car, and I dropped it off at the shop, and a few hours later, I came back, and the, the guy pointed to the car in the parking lot, and uh, there I could see the two new tires were installed, and he said to me that I was good to go, and I took his word for it. I had not met the technician who put the tires on my car. I did not ask to see whether this was the first time or whether this was the thousandth time he had changed tires. I did not watch him as he put the new tires on my car. I just assumed 
assumed I was good to go. And so out on the Bee Ridge Road I sped, counting on the fact that the nameless, faceless technician had done his job. I assumed my level of the vulnerability scale was low, and maybe it was low, but because I had just sped myself now onto the seven-lane Indianapolis Speedway called Bee Ridge Road, I had increased my level of vulnerability to now medium and high that I didn't even then grasp that. I felt as if I had things under control. We like to feel like we have things under control. It's one of the ways that we move forward when we work and when we practice and prepare for as many extenuating circumstances as possible. And, and we count on as many resources and people as possible to protect us from anything that might not be under our control. And we swing and we float and we somersault and we have every hope that the awaiting arms and hands will grab us, that the tire guy will change the tire right. And the truth is, and the good news is, that it's almost always the case. We count on that fact that people are going to be there for us. And even in our bodies, God has created our bodies in such a way that they are able to fend off disease and virus that comes our way. And there is no reason to think that that will not even be the case today. And yet, even still, we feel vulnerable. It's not the first time, and it won't be the last time when we feel this. We find ourselves in life in so many places when we know that we are in less control than we thought we were. Being rolled into an operating room, placing your hands under the care of the surgeon. I remember when I saw a member of my family being rolled into major surgery, and as they took her through those doors, all I could feel was vulnerability for her and for us. Or watching on the weather channel to see that there is a weather system appearing that is going to be coming our way. Or being at the mercy of some other person's forgiveness. We've let someone down, hurt someone, and we know there's nothing we can do to earn their forgiveness. They just have to give it, and we have no control over whether they choose to give it. Psalm 51 is this long prayer of a once seemingly invulnerable king who had done a very displeasing thing in the eyes of God. And with every deep sense of vulnerability he feels, David throws himself at God's mercy and begs God's forgiveness begging God to blot out his transgression and to create in him a clean heart. And David says something very interesting in his prayer, one I have found very curious. David prays this, The sacrifice acceptable to thee, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Now, we are careful not to read this as God wanting us to suffer somehow guilt and shame, but rather it seems that David is putting his finger on one of the great spiritual truths, and that is that when we feel most vulnerable, when we feel most broken, when we feel most at the mercy of another, this is when we are most open to God's abiding mercy and grace. When we feel most vulnerable is when we are most open to God's abiding mercy and grace. 
It makes me think of the story that most of us know of the 12 men, disciples of Jesus, out on the boat together with Jesus on the Sea of Galilee. And some of these men are experienced boatsmen. They've been on the sea a thousand times, but they had not seen anything like this. The wind and the rain and the waves and the waves tossing them around like a garden salad. And there's just nothing they can do. No rowing, no shouting, no holding on is going to change the circumstances. And it's then at their greatest vulnerability that they cry for their master. Master, they cry, do you not care? The master who has been with them all along, the master who is right there with them in the boat, the master who finally stands up and says, peace be still to the wind and the waves. When we feel most vulnerable is when we are most open to the mercy and grace of God. So maybe it explains when Paul writes to the Corinthians and he tells them about his thorn in the flesh, we don't really know what that thorn was, but Paul is transparent enough to tell us that three times he went before the good Lord and asked that he be spared its effects, and three times the good Lord does nothing to change its course. And all of a sudden, Paul realizes something deeper, a deeper truth, that just when he is the most vulnerable, just when he is facing circumstances beyond his control, just then, God says to the apostle, my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. My power of presence is found in your deepest vulnerability. And isn't that the truth, maybe the greatest truth of them all, that in times like these, when we feel most at risk, most at the mercy of something greater, most vulnerable to circumstances beyond our control, that in times like these, we are most open to God meeting us in those weakened places and filling us with God's grace and mercy and peace, that in the end, we all fall into the gracious and loving hands of God. And not only that, but that we feel then the resolve to face into our fears, to face into our worries, to face into our lives, and to live victoriously under the banner of God's love and strength, God's courageous love and strength. It makes me think of our old friend Moses. Moses, the great leader of the people of Israel, weak little old Moses who gets the moxie to confront mean old Pharaoh and demands that he let his people go, and good old Moses who confronts the wind and the waves of the Red Sea and parts the waters. Good old Moses who leads his people through famine and drought through the wilderness for 40 years. And the question is, what gave him such courage? What gave him such strength? What gave him such attitude? Well, maybe it was when he remembered back to the day Long before, when his mother, when she had nowhere else to turn, when she had nothing else she could think to do, in order to make sure her little boy wouldn't fall into the hands of those who threatened him, wrapped him up in a basket and set him on the waters. Set him down the river into the hands of a gracious God. God's grace is sufficient. God's grace is sufficient. God's grace is sufficient. How about that for a breath prayer? Breathe in the words, God's grace, and then breathe out, is sufficient. God's grace, breathe out, is sufficient. 
which takes us, of course, back to our friends flying through the air from trapeze to trapeze, vulnerable to the laws of gravity and to the split-second mist. They swing and they leap and they somersault and they tumble through the air with great courage, always aware of one thing, the gracious net that stretches below the gracious net that catches them when someone's not able to catch them, which of course is why they climb up the ladder again and again, which is why they leap again and again, which is why they fight their fears and swing and let go, which is why they embrace their vulnerability because they know of a sufficient grace. They've got that net that always is going to catch them. So of course, we live in these uncertain times and it only takes a few minutes in front of the TV or on our phones to realize how vulnerable we might be. But of course, it's nothing new. We've always been at risk. There are more circumstances beyond our control, but there has always been the net. There's always been the net, the sufficient grace, the everlasting arms to catch us, to hold us. A vulnerable spirit is a pleasing gift, says the Lord, for my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. Our God, our help in ages past and our hope for years to come, our shelter from the stormy blast and our eternal home. So today we live. We live as God would have us live, leaping with love and with technology, connecting with whomever we can connect, creating our own kindness contagion, doing what Jesus would want us to do for neighbor near and far, in good times and in bad times, because we always have the net, and God is always gracious.